0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, August 14th. We are here live. Uh, We've got about uh, 30 minutes here for some free-for-all questions. The bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by David Owen from Nastic. So we can line up uh, any questions you might have for David about Nastic, what they do, what they offer. We could talk about the conference coming up. It's the first time we'll be there. Uh, Lisa and I will be there. I'll be speaking so I'm looking forward to that um, or we can just talk about anything you want. Um, you should probably pick up the phone and call me right now otherwise I'm probably just going to tell stories because I have uh, just about nothing today. So pick up the phone and join me. Lines are open 855 950 David will be here in uh, about 30 minutes or so. So Whatever you want to talk about till then, pick up the phone. Um, This weekend, I uh, spent a lot of time in the kitchen. I've been way behind on that, though, so I needed to do that. You know, I hate spending too much time indoors in the summer out here. We have the most beautiful summers ever, and uh, I like to take advantage of them. But the weather really did determine what we did this weekend. I, I know it's been crazy hot in a lot of places in the country this year we've had the opposite summer really we've had a a much cooler than normal summer in fact i had my timing all messed up in the garden because i was just expecting the hotter weather to show up sooner and i started growing things based on that in the greenhouse and then it didn't warm up and i had to keep them in there too long So some of those summer plants are struggling just because we got the timing wrong. But we finally got a little taste of that heat wave yesterday. got up to about 93, I think. Felt really hot here. Um, I think we might even get to 97 today. Then I think we have a little more of this tomorrow. And then it starts to cool back off. I think we're back into the 70s by Friday, which has been um, a lot of this year has been 70s maybe low 80s, but really beautiful weather. Like I say, hate to uh, hate to miss it, but I had a lot of catching up to do um, in the kitchen yesterday. So getting ready for the garden, I made a bunch of uh, brines ahead of time so that as I harvest stuff, I can just drop things like pickles. I just make a big, um, made probably a gallon of brine for pickles. So as I pick little cucumbers off the vine. I'll just drop them in there and ready to go. And tomatoes and peppers are just cranking right now. So I made uh, about a gallon and a half of fermented salsa yesterday too. So looking forward to that. Plus I uh, fermented and canned a bunch of peppers. I have determined, well, maybe not. I have one more option. I've been trying to can Uh, pepper slices like pepper rings and whole peppers even. And I just can't get them the way I want them. Slices, if you can them, they, they just turn to complete mush. And you only can them for 10 minutes. It's a really short canning time, but they just get way too mushy. So I finally got a perfect brine recipe for peppers. I love the taste of the brine, but I tried another method to, to water bath can them and they still came out really mushy. I did read one more thing that instead of water bath canning, which is boiling, so that's 212 degrees, I saw one article that claimed if you used the sous vide, which we're all familiar with the sous vide, and keep them at 180 degrees for 30 minutes, it still pasteurizes them, but they'll have some crunch left. I may try that. We'll see. The other option, and I did a bunch of this yesterday, is just pickle them and don't can them. Then they're not shelf stable. You have to keep them in the refrigerator, but they'll last several months in the refrigerator. So, and I know somebody's going to say, well, why don't you ferment them? Now nah, I'm trying another ferment. So far, every time I've fermented hot peppers, I don't like the taste of them. For some reason to me, they just ferment weird so we'll see calls are starting to come in i told you to call me and you did so let's get to it let's go to kentucky to get started jerry good morning
1: good morning kevin before i get started on my topic i want to tell you that i had no idea how good a salesman i really am i i'm just blown away and flabbergasted at how good a salesman i am
0: well there because. you
1: go After uh, a couple of our little banters about the uh, benefits and the wonderful flavor profile of the pumpkin spice nut butter, it's now sold out. I can't get any more of it. See
0: that? Now I'm going to have to drop a check in the mail.
1: Yep, you are. I expect to have some in the store before nightfall, Kevin. I tried to order some more, and I couldn't get it. So yeah, that's yeah, anyway. <laughs> you know that that
0: is a common theme around our store, and and we just have to explain why. Um, you know, everybody's had supply chain issues the last couple of years, but we we deal with really small companies. It's one of the reasons we're able to go directly to them. Um, most times, by the time companies start to grow, they start working with distributors only. It's kind of like the, um, the the shipper-broker issue. You know, shippers, if they're going to have to work with too many carriers, it's just too hard. So they go to the broker. It's kind of like a distributor. Same thing with with wholesalers and retailers. You can't work with too many well. individuals, so as they grow, they start to use distributors, but that takes another piece out of the profit. So, you know, we do the same thing. I tell owner operators, if you don't like the fact that somebody's in the middle taking a piece, well then change it, go direct. And and that's what we do. I say we, Lisa's the one that has to do all that work and she's really good at it, but she manages a lot of vendors. But these are all really, really small companies. And sometimes they just run out of stock, especially when we have good salespeople like you hyping it and then it flies <laughs> out the door. And yeah, so that's how things work around here. Well,
1: you segued right. You segue right into my topic, I guess. You've had a lot of discussions lately about who your customer is. And I wanna expand on that a little bit. I may take a little different viewpoint on it, but technically I am an owner operator leased to a carrier. So, that carrier, the one that writes my check, is my customer. However, because we're a small carrier, I take a more expanded view of it. And we've got a lot of direct shippers. And so, from my opinion, I think those shippers and receivers and a couple of the steady brokers are my co customers. I agree. I believe in taking care of them too. And to that end, I mean, just a couple of little. For instance, this is what I do from my standpoint as an owner operator. I walked out of the grocery store here about, uh, I don't know, last spring anyway, and the little Girl Scouts were selling Girl Scout cookies, and I kind of made their day by buying five <laughs> boxes of every kind they had, and I didn't eat one box of them. I took one box of each kind, I put them in a sack, and shippers and receivers that we go to steady got a big box of, uh, or a big bag of Girl Scout cookies. I go to, uh, uh, one place I went to, I dropped a load off, an inbound load off one evening, knowing fully well that I couldn't get my outbound load till the next day. And I asked the uh, the receiving lady there where, where a good place to eat in town was because the barbecue place I usually went to was closed. She gave me the name of a place. I went up there and had a wonderful burger. I mean, it was just wonderful. No bun with an egg on top of it, and it was just wonderful. So I took the amount of my bill and doubled it and added a little bit more, and I got her a gift card for that uh, Restaurants, uh, that she uh, had talked up so put, And then the, the shipping people that I went in next morning got, uh, I don't know, probably three dozen fresh-baked donuts, and I didn't <laughs> eat one donut, believe it or not. <laughs> there so you, anyway, my point is, is I that think, I think people take too narrow of a view of it And even though that carrier is my customer, I look at the shippers and receivers that we go to on a regular
2: basis as my co-customers. I
0: I couldn't agree more. And let me tell you how I normally address that. I don't get to always say the whole spiel when we talk about this, but this all comes down to, and I wish I could remember the first place I heard this. I can't think of a book or an author or a person that I just don't know where this idea came from when it's stated specifically like this, but I know I didn't make it up. So I must have read it somewhere. And it was a long time ago. And it, it has directed me ever since. And, and the idea is the secret to success. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny, because if you type secret of success into Amazon, you get like 70,000 books with that name in the title or some crazy number. But what is the real secret? There is one. There really is you provide the most value you can possibly provide to your customer that that's how this all started that's what it's based around and it's a simple concept if you do that if you provide more value than anybody else you will always be successful there's no way not to then the question becomes okay well how do i do that how do i provide all of that value well there's a million ways and one of them is what you're talking about right here. My customer has customers and if I interact with them, absolutely what a better way to provide value to my customer by treating their customers really well as though they are mine. That that's a that's exactly how you should look at it.
1: And that's how I do and I always make sure that they understand that this complimentary uh, it, it compliments is from the uh, carrier. I don't right. take any credit for it at all. Right. So uh, that, that's my key to it is is to make sure that they understand that this is the carrier's gift, not. Mine.
2: Yeah, and and they I don't think like they carry oh, the carrier as a clue. Oh, I'm sure people they don't. don't have any idea right. doing that either.
0: I, I I'm sure they don't. But the but the customer gets it. And you know, some people will listen to this and go, Oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal. It was donuts, really. But this is how business works. It's how humans work. Just think about this. You you know you interact with people that are just complainers. There's always something wrong with everything. Even if they're not complaining about something you did, they're just always complaining about stuff. And then you have people who are a little more upbeat, positive, show up with breakfast, you know, that kind of thing. Who, Who would you rather deal with? I mean, when you have that first second of the interaction, you know one, you just kind of dread it, and the other one, you just would rather deal with people like that. This isn't that complicated. It's a really simple thing, but so few people do it.
1: And other drivers just don't get it. That's the sad part.
0: Yeah, it it makes it a lot easier for us, though.
1: Yep, it does. Well, that's all I had. I just saw that over the weekend and... Want to expand on your who your customer is, Kevin? So good stuff. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Look forward to David Owens.
0: All right, Owen. <laughs> I have to remember that too. For some reason, you always the tendency is to say Owens, but uh, it's Owen. David Owen. I have to remember that. Let's go to Texas, Fred. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good
3: morning, everybody.
0: What's on your mind today?
3: Well, I've been lacking. Not much of my diet, mostly with the stress protocol and everything else. But lately, because I've been kind of home, well, home on the weekends and everything, I've been doing the, uh, the chill coffee on the weekends. And I've been, uh, just eating really clean the last couple of weeks. And I've noticed my digestion's gotten a lot better and my stress levels come down. Now my HRV is in the forties, Just out of the blue. And I've never had it in the forties before. So, uh, you know, uh, just, cleaning your diet up and it works. And, uh, doing a few tweaks here and
0: there. It works. It works. Uh, I had that uh, month almost pretty close, maybe a little over three weeks where I didn't wear my watch. I said I was going to try to climb out of that pit without wearing my watch. It didn't work. I, I did just... Yeah. I don't know what I was doing wrong. I was trying to figure out which days I should work. I I think I overdid it. I think I ended up pushing on days that I shouldn't have been. I put my watch back on and my HRV was down about seven or eight points from before when I took it off and it was on its way up and I've just kind of uh, tanked it again. Some of it might have been the idea that I just said, I'm going out to the river every day, no matter what. And I have been um, until this weekend. It really, there was no point in going out this weekend whatsoever because there was no chance of any wind at all. So, uh, you know, I'll go out on a day where maybe there's no wind right now and I can practice a couple other things and there'll be some wind, but I'm not going to go through all that trouble go sit out there and, you know, on a 90 some degree day just standing there on my board. So, but I was pushing it pretty hard. I also, you know that phrase, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. Yeah, I, I experienced that this weekend. I said, I am going every day on this board till I get up. No, I'm not looking at the wind. I don't care what it is. So every single time I've been out, every time, I've I've always said over and over, I wish I could get a little more wind. I wish I could get a little more wind. There's just <laughs> not enough steady wind. Well, guess what I found out? I finally found out why some people have smaller wings for wind, you know, when the wind is, and it wasn't crazy strong. It was exactly what I've been asking for. I just said, I wish it would just be a steady, you know, 20, 22, somewhere right around there and just hold. And I'd be able to figure this out. No, I got the shit kicked out of me. That wind was, I I can't believe how fast, oh, I can't believe how fast the board can go. I, I would (laughs) So, so you got to kind of, you're holding the wing with one hand at the front. And if you're holding the front of it, it just feathers out and it doesn't have any real pull. When you grab the backside of it is when you turn it into more of a sail than a wing. And as soon as you touch that, like you're, you're stretching off your board to reach it anyway. And just as you touch it, just touching it puts power into the wing and your, your board starts taking off. And then the next day I know, I'm trying to come up to my feet. And before I'm even on my feet, the foil's coming out of the water. And I just did this over and over and over. And I'm what am I doing wrong? And then I realized because every day that I've been out there, it hasn't been enough wind. All I've learned really is how to put full power into the kite over and over and over. Now I had to learn how to not put full power into the kite to try to slow the kite down or the wing because the, the wind was just so strong and steady. So, and I think it was like my third day in a row and I was just beat up and tired and um, it was just kind of a rough day out there.
3: Yeah, I got you. I got you. That's what happens sometimes. You get hot and heavy into something and you overdo it. And I mean, wearing the watch gives us a good barometer of how we're doing every day. Um, it, get, it gets a little monotonous when nothing changes and all of a sudden, boom, it just drastically changes and you say, wait a second, what happened? Yeah. So it gets a little frustrating at times. I'm sure. <laughs> all
0: how right. um, I'm gonna, but, anything else?
3: Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, that was it. That was it. Just
0: wanted to talk about health a little bit. Good. Like it. I'm going to get to some calls. They're piling up. You know what we're going to do? Um, we're going to bring David in at uh, the bottom of the hour. It's just about 12 minutes here. Um, we'll just keep the calls we have on the line. Uh, David and I will talk a while, and then we're just going to take some calls. Um, I wouldn't mind uh, David hanging out with us and uh, just taking some general calls. Uh, and if you do have specific questions about um nastic and the conference then definitely join us let's go to massachusetts aj welcome
4: yeah good morning kevin how are we good
0: what's on your mind today
4: well you wanted me to call when i got the x3 bar in and it came in uh actually came in last week while i was uh, out on the road but grabbed it yesterday when i came home what do you think so looking forward to getting on that uh i haven't even used it yet i just took it out of the box put it got everything in the in his respective pockets in the bag, and good. Uh, good. We'll try it tonight. There you the go. First night out. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, what else? I got. Um, and I just so I ordered the Cardio Miracle too. I just missed by two days by one day the, the free gift when I ordered that. And, then, uh, and I got Cardio Miracle with it, and now I just got the text this morning that the Cardio Miracle is on sale. So I, I was just going
0: to. I was just going to say I don't right want to be the bearer of bad news, but you also missed the other sale on Cardio Miracle.
4: Yep. Yeah, that's all right though. That's all right. I I get enough. Um, my yogurt question I had was um, this last batch when I got home uh, and and looked at it, it was got liquid on the bottom. Is that a is that like a popular symptom? I didn't didn't do something right. I right. did everything. Uh, you know, everything it's, the it's, same it, as far as I remember.
0: It's hard to say. Sometimes now, can you can you kind of bring it back together? Do you strain yours?
4: I don't strain mine. It comes out. It's usually from top to bottom, a perfect uh sour cream type texture right
0: what would happen if you have you tried stirring this and bringing it back together
4: i still i'm still working on a on a jar in the truck now so i haven't tried anything with those new ones yet i just noticed it so in in the fridge i'll try it probably this weekend
0: yeah two things you can do to save a batch like this stir it back together and then strain it So if I've got, you know, they make yogurt strainers you can buy for like 20 bucks that work really well, or you can just grab some cheesecloth and do it. Um, You know, I had batch after batch after batch after batch, just perfect. And then I got a bad batch that, you know, separated and had more liquid than normal. And I went through three or four before I was able to kind of get it going right again. And I have no idea why.
4: So did you uh, crush tablets or did you just kept using the old stuff?
0: Now I started went, over again. And, and now I need to do it again. Start over. Yeah, I don't have any yogurt okay. in the works right now. I haven't made any in a while. And I need to start over. And I know, especially on the El Ruderai, those first couple batches are never any good. Okay. All right.
4: Looks like I'll have to start over again with
0: that. Um, I would give, you know, give your, if you have some starter left, I'd try it at least one more time.
4: Yeah, um, I used the old yogurt last time. That's the only thing I did I did different last time was I used the old uh, yogurt from the previous batch.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what happens. I had the same thing happen, just a run of perfect batches and then a, a run where I couldn't seem to get it right.
4: So the top part is a good texture. Can I just drain as much liquid out of oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be the same strain as strain it. it.
0: Yeah, just... yeah okay that's really what you're doing Very when good. we strain it we're just trying to get what they call the whey out of there the liquid
4: right that's all that is in the bottom is whey, right right and can i use that as a starter or yeah. for the next time yeah that's what i'll do cool all right well that's all i got today i'll let you get back to the calls before you all right in.
0: thanks for the call let's go to Pennsylvania.
5: brian welcome
4: hey kevin um
5: hold on i can't walk and chew gum all right there we go i was trying to wiggle into this door oh, yeah. um yeah so i i missed a little bit there i was getting screened when you were talking to steve but uh yeah personal finance uh i'm spending money i i don't have while i'm way off the wagon on the diet to, to get in on this cardio miracle sale because i mean come on you gotta like a cardio miracle even if you are eating shit well um, yeah and you gotta get those you know the the deal now
0: is if you buy a tub you get um uh, the single serve sticks too how many of them do you get uh 15 15 yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. that's
0: a
5: yeah i gotta i gotta buy them before you know before you you talk about it on the radio and sell out of them
2: that's right so but uh
5: but no that's not why i called you So, uh, I I mentioned that I, I, I just added a third car payment, which is like stupid and crazy. Right. But, uh, I, I was going to run this by you and then I decided to just do it. I think you'll, I think you'll approve. Um, I sort of saved my folly a little bit. Um, I, uh, uh, remember, remember, uh, when I bought ten thousand dollars of i bonds, and I was like, "Oh shit, this money's like really gone for a year." Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the year's over, and um, in in one year, I earned a six hundred fifty dollars interest on ten thousand. Isn't that? And awesome? then I kept it another month, and I. Yeah, and I got another seven hundred. Uh, so, so this car this third car payment was kind of ridiculous of course interest rates are up and uh so and I wanted to keep the payment low right because we're we don't know what's going on things are kind of slow trying to hold on to cash and uh so I did I bought a $17,000 car and got a $20,000 loan on it for 60 months at 7.14 percent and uh realized I was gonna pay thirty eight hundred dollars in interest, which is kinda crazy. Yeah. And uh I said, I said, Well, what if I take these I bonds and just throw it on the loan right away? There you right? go. Well if my if my calculations are correct, that's gonna knock the term from sixty months to twenty-eight months. It's gonna change my interest from thirty eight hundred to a thousand And if we figure the I-bonds already paid me 700, it's almost free financing. What do do you think?
0: Yes, it's a really smart move. And I'll I'll tell you how frustrating it was when I used to work directly with people doing their financial planning and everybody always wants the latest sexy thing you know whether it's cryptocurrency or gold because they keep seeing commercials and you know you're always trying to convince them no you just we got to stay the course and it, they would want to do all these crazy things that they heard about from their friend or whatever and uh, I was still trying to get them to see that their best investment was not investing in anything. It was paying off the debt they had already created. That was a much better return on their money than anything else we could invest in just paying down the debt. I mean, think about it. A, a car loan at 7%. Well, where can I get a guaranteed 7% on my money? Nowhere. Not guaranteed. I maybe here and there. And right now I might be able to get a couple CDs at five or close, but I, I can't get a guaranteed seven. What if you've got credit cards with 18% interest on them. And I would try to convince people, you should not be investing in anything other than your own debt because it's the best return, but nobody wants to do that. They, they wanna you know have all the stuff they're borrowing money to buy and they wanna go invest money somewhere else. And like I said, the latest buzz, whatever anybody's talking about. And if you just pay down the debt, that's a great return on your money. Then stick with the tried and true, you know, S and P five hundred. This really isn't that difficult. We we make it far harder than it needs to be.
5: <clears throat> yeah, and and I really wanted to hold on to the cash, but when I saw the numbers on the interest right. and and how drastic the the term was going to be reduced in months, it was like. It was kind of a no brainer. And I, I think I need to thank Neil also. I think he mentioned on a space that um, you know, not only, you know, you're obviously higher interest on the loans that you just got, right, probably than what the loans you already have. Right. Um, but the newer the newer a loan is, the more impact you could have on on Paying reducing it down the early. interest early right. on in the
4: loan.
0: Right. I I yeah. follow. Uh, a couple of guys on social media that are in the car business and they always report on what's going on in the, the world of cars and selling cars and financing cars. And one of the guys is, is actually uh, like a broker. He sells car dealerships, but they, they've always got interesting statistics that they're posting. And I don't remember exactly, but um I think the number was like seven hundred and eighty five dollars is now the average car loan payment in this country that is shocking <laughs> seven hundred and eighty five dollars yeah. is the average that that is just shocking to me
5: yeah i I'm not all that surprised my you know, I did have no car payments, and then you know I was COVID rich in 2021, and yeah. my wife is like, "Why are you looking at pickups if you're yeah. not going to buy one?" <laughs> I was like, Oh "Okay, I'll buy one then." Yeah,
0: yeah, that's and, a, uh, that's a rule I, I have. If I'm not in the market to buy something, I don't look.
5: Yeah, well, I, I, I'm I, pretty usually the price scares me away, but you know, she was like, "Well, don't look at them if you're not going to buy one." It was my birthday, so I just bought one, but. uh all right. Yeah, I mean that's hey, no surprise. I mean that yeah, go yeah, ahead,
0: go yeah, ahead. We're gonna bring David in. It's time. Okay. Gotta stay on schedule here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh do you have any questions for him? While you're here, you get first shot.
5: Um wow. Well I'm I'm a little I'm a little disappointed in the fuel discounts lately. What's going on?
0: Well we'll we'll ask him. I'll bring him in and we'll see if he has some insight into that. Let's bring on David Owen, the uh, co-founder of Nastic, is back joining us again. David, good morning.
6: Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? Good. Are you well-rested? I am, as a matter of fact, it's been raining. We're in the monsoon reason, uh season here in Nashville and uh we've got nothing but the matter of fact it just rumbled the thunder was rumbling outside. So I am very well rested. Didn't do didn't get off the couch hardly at all this uh this weekend. As a matter of fact, uh, our power went out for about half a day. But ah, how you
0: doing? I'm doing good. I'm uh I'd like to say I'm well rested, but I'm really not. Um you know it's summertime, um spending a lot of time out in the garden and I've got this new sport that I'm trying to master on the water called wing foiling and it's uh it's really kind of beating me up pretty bad so um I'm actually kind of tired I was hoping once you got here I could probably just turn it over to you and I could take a nap and nobody would even notice no
6: I need I need some input we'll say one thing I got a little I got a little chuckle out of your friend there uh about the disappointment in the uh in the discounts like <laughs> uh, <think> the <laughs> I think they've dropped down from about sixty cent gallons to about fifty one or something like that. but the uh, 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 that's a function of uh you know the uh, the price of a barrel of oil and how much it costs to get into get it into the ground and the truck stops. Uh, one thing you can always determine in our, and, and I like to say this unequivocally, and I think you've echoed it for us for years. Uh, regardless of what the discount is, you're getting the best price we can put put in front of you every time you fuel your truck in our network. And um, uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot of folks that. Uh, that, you know, in this past year, I, I guess when you compare it to some of the crazy stuff that went on six or seven months ago, where we got discounts, Kevin, of over a dollar a gallon. Yeah,
0: that was crazy. I know. Uh,
6: it, it was, uh, you know, I can understand why somebody would be disappointed. <laughs> but you got to remember, it's not, it's not really what you pay for the fuel. It's really what it costs to fuel your truck and and there are a lot of different variables that go into that you know i mean just think of all the four wheelers that will drive 20 miles to save 4 cents a gallon on gas right. I mean, it doesn't make any sense
0: yeah no great point um this would probably be a good time. If you don't mind, would you explain the different types of discounts? And, and you know, the, the whole the first time I heard the whole cost plus thing and I, I had never heard of it. So um, I, I found it really intriguing. And then when you start to follow it, it, it's very, very different. I think
6: it confuses a lot of people. Could you uh, can you help with that? Be happy to. Happy to try. We've we've We spent a lot of time trying to explain it. Uh, and one of the things that's difficult is almost all owner operators and small guys have been uh, programmed over the years to shop fuel by the marquee, and uh, and that and you know with all the humility I can muster, uh, we turned that around when we started offering cost plus pricing to the smallest of carriers. Cost plus is simply taking the rack average wholesale. In a given rack, there's 880 of them, I think, now in the United States. That's an acronym for regional something or another that you know where the wholesale price. Uh, like in long beach california is is calculated you take that wholesale price and you add about five to four or five different things to it you add the uh transportation cost to get the fuel into the ground at that particular truck stop at that particular time uh you take the taxes that are appropriate whether they're sales tax or federal tax or whatever they are and federal local state taxes then they're different all the time and then uh in our formula, the pumping fee or what the or what the truck stop makes uh, on the other side, you know as profit, is in our program, it's the pumping fee is the plus number. Uh, in some programs, the plus the pumping fee is put on the cost side of the ledger, and the plus number is added to it. So that's really how you come up with it. The way we do it in our system, uh, is pretty intriguing. Uh, we we uh, we take Opus Oil Price Index Services. We get a feed from them on twenty four seven, and we snapshot that on on Monday for Tuesday's transactions. For two on Tuesday for Wednesday's transactions. On Wednesday for Thursday's transactions, and so on. So in the vol- in the volatile world that we live in now with the wholesale prices changing drastically, sometimes twenty or thirty cents in a day, uh, th- our for- one of the great benefits of our program is we can notify our drivers directly. And tell them to wh- whether to buy before midnight or after midnight. And if fuel's going up tomorrow, we tell them to buy before midnight. If fuel's going down tomorrow, we tell them to wait till after midnight. And our guys can do that a large percentage of the time because you know most of you guys are going to fuel your truck once a day and oh, four or five days a week. You got 300 gallons of capacity on on most times, so you can time your you. You, with a little planning, you can time when, where and uh, uh, you buy the, your fuel. and that little trick or that little piece of data that we give out in our fuel uh, our fuel app uh, can save you a couple of hundred gal- a couple of hundred dollars a month a truck in addition to those deflated (laughs) discounts
0: that the guys (laughs) could Yeah. So it's interesting to me. I was just thinking about this as you were trying to describe the cost plus, and it's fairly complicated. You know, it, for if, if the thought process has always been, well, I, I look up as I'm driving down the highway, I look up, see the price, know that I get, $0.06 a gallon off on my card, or whatever it happens to be, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, Listening to you explain the cost plus, and then believe it or not, I can make this whole fueling decision even more complicated with the topic that I have a hard time explaining to people. Um, the x tax price so for owner operators paying their own fuel tax so first off we got to qualify this if you're an owner operator and you're paying your own fuel tax i don't care who files the paperwork a lot of times the carriers if they're leased they would do that but if you've got your own authority it certainly applies the the idea of fuel tax really confuses people and I try to explain to them the way you have to look at this is when you stick that pump in your tank, you're buying two completely different things. You're buying some fuel and you're paying tax that has nothing to do with anything except you're paying for it right now. So you know, if, if we're ever going to compare fuel prices because all the states have different taxes, we have to take this tax out. And, and trying to get people to understand that, and they think, well, they believe that where they buy their fuel has something to do with their fuel tax. And it doesn't. It, it's only where you drive your truck. That's what determines how much fuel tax you owe, not where you buy it. Where you buy it, all well, that, that does is give you credit but then that all has to be reconciled at the end and that, that's where it starts to get people really confused. And what happens, I think, is is they look at this whole idea of fuel buying and they just say, ah, that's too much work. There's probably not enough savings. And they just start buying fuel wherever they are when they need it. And your card and strategy and, and that just that little bit of heads up Price is going up. Price is going down. Between that and understanding fuel tax, the savings here for one truck is probably four to five thousand dollars a year. Buying your fuel correctly. Uh, if we throw in your discounts, that number gets even bigger. But but that's that's a significant amount of money for learning one strategy.
6: Absolutely, and the uh, uh, actually. Uh, you, 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 I know you've been around long enough to remember what fuel taxes were like before we oh. had single-state. Uh, oh, <laughs> the bingo cards. You had a
3: you had a wild card in
6: there of, of uh, yes, it was important to know where you were and where you were buying because you needed to balance the two out. You're right. Uh, and, because some states would never give you a credit no. and always charge you the yeah. debit, so a lot of cases it was a lot easier to pay twenty-five cents a gallon uh, more for fuel over the line in Florida than to buy too much fuel right. in Georgia. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're right. Well, the, uh, one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle that we provide with our data with that fuel app is we give the um, x-tax number to the carrier.
0: Yes, you do. I love that.
6: That is a real yeah. benefit. It is. It is. And we're working hard on uh, on getting to the point where not only can we do the paperwork, a lot of the legwork for fuel taxes, but actually trust our numbers and and, and make sure that uh, we're giving you the correct data off your transaction. So we're working hard on that, and that'll save a lot of small guys a lot of time and headache. But uh, I, I'm, and those, for those guys that weren't around before single-state uh, fuel tax reporting was around, you had to have a fuel tax account in every state you ran in and you had had to rectify the amount of gallons you bought with the number of miles you get by your miles per gallon per truck. And it was a it was a mess that even the smartest folks in the world couldn't figure out.
0: And just the work you had to file every quarter, you had to file a tax return with every state you drove in that quarter, every state you had an account with. And it it was, oh, what a. And everything was done by hand back then. We didn't have any electronic forms and, you know, go online and do it, or your software does it for you. Or you sat down with the paper and all your receipts and you filled out fuel tax report after fuel tax report
6: we ran into this guy one of the one of the things that got us uh, didn't get us airborne but it got us to the airport uh back in the day was one of our first products was we found this fuel tax guru uh who had a a company called transportation services in nashville and he i started listening to him and i'm sure you were probably doing this at that time as well but the, I didn't know you then. Anyhow, this guy started riding around with me, and we started. Uh, we would do go in and do a fuel tax analysis for small guys. Yeah. And he never left anybody's office. Never left anybody's office, and it didn't take all day. It took about an hour. It never left anybody's office that he didn't find two, three, four thousand dollars laying around and on. How about on uncollected credits and stuff like that? It was one of the. One of the great little consulting things that we did early on that gave us a lot of credibility and 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 uh, got us to, got us got us airborne anyhow.
0: Good stuff. Hey hey Brian, you're uh you're still lurking there in the background. Anything for David? Where'd Brian go? Thought he was there. Maybe I should refresh my screen. Let me check. Yeah, he's supposed to be there. Oh, I'm here. Sorry. There you are.
5: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I'm sitting in a driver's room, um, so I don't know what you said. But yeah, that was me, David. But uh, but seriously, we I appreciate everything you do and you guys do, and uh, looking forward
6: to uh, my first NASDAQ conference.
3: All right.
6: Thank you. Oh, we can't wait. Uh, looking forward to it as well. Where are you? Where are you from, Brian? Where do you hail from? Uh, the Allentown, Pennsylvania area. Oh, cool. So well, cool. uh, uh, have you got? Have you already registered for our meeting and everything? I did. Yep. Wonderful. Wonderful. Can't wait to meet you. And uh, uh, Kevin's going to be playing a a big role in this year's conference. Uh, he's our he's our keynote speaker. And uh, and I'm he told me. That, that he didn't do well, just not doing anything. So I've got him busy for about <laughs> sixty hours. He will be. He will need a weekend. He will need a weekend of rest when he gets back home. I, I thought I saw
0: something on my Ready? schedule about peeling potatoes, but I wasn't sure.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, it was unloading, unloading a truck or two. Oh, I maybe that's you know, what it was.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go.
6: Did you get my? Email the other day that I sent about that little rant I've put
0: out. Yes, I did, but I haven't had time to read it all yet.
6: Oh, well, good God, man! I know.
0: I know. <laughs> the, the, every day last week, the the river was calling me. The wind conditions were good, so every day last week, when I got done with my show, I went and played in the water.
6: Oh, cool! Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I want to get you. I want to. I, I don't know when we're going to do it, or. Between now and the conference, I'd like to get you and your wife down to uh, the panhandle uh, for three or four days. And hey, Which is the
3: best and, way out of here? Take the
6: left or go back out? Oh, I think you take the left. <laughs> 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 yeah we'll talk about what's good uh, but you may y'all may want uh, for you know for a week long in the panhandle, you might want to fly over instead of drive your truck oh you know we, we're we're planning
0: just the uh the the world tour again you, once we leave here in the coach sometimes we don't come home for months oh cool yeah
6: well i, I want to put i want to put the panhandle on your schedule sometime sometime probably Mid September or late September. Uh,
0: we can't take off out of here till probably like October tenth is what I'm looking okay. at. Okay. Probably about the soonest we can get out of here.
6: Well, then if y'all come down, uh, come down uh, between then and the end of October, you can you can just stay on tour through through, through into our meeting, which That's is right. November the second. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's we can talk about that off air. I don't want to take up our uh, your time by talking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that's all right. That's anyhow, our time. I, I just, anyhow, since you go ahead since you haven't since you haven't read my email, I'm, I hate to read stuff on the phone, but <laughs> I'm going to read you this because it was kind of a it was kind of an epiphany in the middle of the night. I have them all the time, but anyhow, it's going in our newsletter, and you'll be the, your listeners will be the first to hear this okay i believe i've i believe i've come up with one of the main causes of failed policies guidance regulations and laws that come out of washington while almost every change negatively impacts small carriers and owner operators while with every change there's a litany of unintended consequences and added expenses and why there's rarely a related improvement in safety numbers and ultimately never any accountability for the lack thereof and here it is Almost all input, data, intel, and resulting premises are manufactured in classrooms, laboratories, and Silicon Valley using computer models, artificial intelligence, voodoo science, and relative risk. In other words, created in a vacuum and only using data that supports the basic premise without dissent. I think policies would see better results and outcomes if there were more real-world, hands-on input from professional drivers Without these tri- ideas tried, tested, and subjected to a resurrected scientific method and statistically and statistical integrity that used to be the rule and not the exception, so that's the that, beginning of that thing I sent you. You didn't read. Well, I need to go
0: read that now. Now you've piqued my interest. Um, <laughs> th- this this fits so well with with something I've been kind of working on and trying to get my head around. Um, so, yeah, now I, I really want to go read the rest of it. But um, first off, before I get to that, I, I, you know, I want to let you know we're the tribe. We're planning on taking over that event this year. You know, they're 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 hungry for an event. We haven't had a CMC in a couple of years and we've heard what a great event this is. We're, we're planning on just taking over.
3: Well, I'll I
6: tell you what. Uh, 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 we're, here's here's what we've come up with. Obviously, we want to be fair to our current members, so we're going to charge your tribe a little bit more on the front end. But if they join Nastic, we'll give it back to them as a credit against their membership.
0: <laughs> love that. There you go. A little win-win for so, everybody.
6: Yes, that means that means we can, because uh, uh, there is a there is a finite number of people we can accommodate. We filled the hotel up last year. Well, we- and. Uh, And I'm all for it. Y'all come on. I want to meet as much as your your tribe as possible. And, and I want to give you, you know, the opportunity not only to preach to the choir, but preach to the congregation.
0: Yes. I'm looking forward to it. You know, we've had uh, a couple of the other speakers on with us, and I think we have a couple more still coming. We had um, uh, Joe Rakovatz was with us last week. Uh, Joe's a great guy. We had a great conversation with him and Don Mann, um boy what a what a great time we had with him on the air
6: yeah he's amazing i've heard him speak before and uh very very interesting interesting stories and uh i think everybody will like everybody that uh loves america will love hearing him yes
0: absolutely Uh, i'm i'm really looking forward to it
6: yeah the uh i call it the best three days in trucking and um, uh, we've really, we've really put on some, we, we really miss not doing it a one or two, one year, just, we just missed one year with COVID. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, were you the guy that came up with that COVID rich or was that Brian? Um I think he
3: said he was COVID rich. Oh yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That was Brian. Boy, they were just, they were just yeah. handing out money. I've never seen anything like it when well, they're still trying to do it. Yeah, I know. So uh, let's talk about that for a second, because it, it, we were, you know, a big part of helping people figure out what they should do during that time. You know, should you take the PPP money? And, uh, you know, my, I was so torn on this because I hated to see it. it. It had to happen. Some businesses had to get that money. I mean, when you shut a business down, something's got to happen. Um, but the whole thing was such a mess. But, but I was telling people, look, you, you got to think seriously about this. If the government's just handing out money to your competitors, um, if this has affected you, you've got to take the money. Then they came out with the idle loan. And I was telling people the opposite. No, look, I, I wouldn't take the idle loan. Um, you shouldn't need it. You know, we didn't get shut down for that long. The PPP money should have covered it. But here's the thing. Uh, You've been around owner-operators a long time. You know this. Uh, It's not that uncommon that these guys can work for decades and never really have $10,000 in the bank, right?
6: Absolutely. How many times have we seen that?
0: Right. Right.
6: A lot of times I've got it under the mattress in the sleeper unit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... that's just common. I mean, it, it's these are guys that were making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Some years, not even that. Um, i Have never had a lot of money at one time, and all of a sudden, they were getting ten to fifteen thousand dollars in the PPP money. And then I, I was shocked the first time an owner operator called me and he said, "I just got my idle loan approved and it was over a hundred thousand dollars." And that was the norm. If you went and applied for an idle loan as a single truck owner operator, there was a good chance you were going to qualify for $100,000. Now, these guys have never had that kind of money. And that's just one segment of our society that all of a sudden had a bunch of money. And we wonder why our economy is so weird right now.
6: Well, unfortunately, there's a ton of, ton of folks they got that money that needed it, and it went to the right place. Uh, uh, there were a ton of folks that took advantage of the situation, in my opinion, like Harvard, uh, that has billions of dollars in uh, in yeah. assets that tried to take the money. And I think they got their hands slapped and and hurt their hurt their brand a lot by even asking for the money. We qualified for the money, uh, but I didn't even apply. And the reason uh, we didn't apply here, it, it, uh, Kevin, we went we went uh, electronic and went home uh, and and in one day. Yeah, right. All four of my, <laughs> all four of my companies, and we didn't come to work for the first time about seventy five or eighty days. Except somebody came in and probably processed some drug screens. Uh, and, um, And quite frankly, during that time, small companies were the ones that had the courage to keep trucking. Small companies didn't have that union job where they were going to get paid where they worked or not. Small companies continued to... Carry America's loads and kept us out of shortages and got medicine, food, fuel, and everything that's essential to us to keep going. And uh, and, and they, we grew, <laughs> right. right? We exploded. We exploded during COVID, and then we shut down a second time for about eighty to eighty-five days. It was almost a full full year before we got back to somewhat a normal mode, but our growth curve was not impacted negatively at all. I expect that it probably popped up a little bit. Yeah. So we didn't apply. I've never applied for it. I'm old school, as you well know. I don't want to borrow anything from the federal government, state government, or anybody else. I don't even (laughs) want...
0: You know, to to go back to the, the idea in your email. So... Um, We used to I mean, we've always been really active on social media Uh, when we were on Sirius, you know, Sirius was our marketing. I mean, that really we did. we, We were very lazy marketers because, you know, with that kind of exposure, we always had people coming in the door we could focus on. Just serving our customers, we didn't have to really put a lot of time and effort into getting customers. Well, that's changed, and since you know we got canceled, so we've been you know trying to figure out where where our market is. So you know I'm pretty active on social media, and there there seems to be this divide lately, and it's it's kind of interesting. There, there's two groups that are active on social media on this trucking issue. And one of the groups just always seems to be that the answer is somehow the government, you know, and and these are, these are owner operators. And and I've always thought we were supposed to be so independent. And yet we have this group now that the parking has to be solved by the government and the broker transparency has to be solved by the government and the double brokering has to be solved by the government and on and on and on. And uh, We're in there saying, I I just it's not that those things aren't happening. It's not that they're not problems. I'll agree with you. We could have better parking. There's lots of things we could improve. But the issue isn't the issue. The issue is the government never fixes anything. It just makes things worse. So why do we keep taking all of these so-called problems? And they'll say, well, it's a problem. What are you going to do? And our answer is, well, we don't... We're not saying it's not a problem in the industry, it's just not a problem for us. We solved it a long time ago ourselves. whatever it might be. And that's, that's kind of our philosophy on this is, before you ever go ask the government, what have you done? What have you done to, to make this less of a problem? And what I find is that the guys who are succeeding and who have always had this mindset you know, we keep talking about this freight recession. Every week we keep saying, when is this freight recession supposed to start? Uh, most of our the people that call in here are still really having a good year this year. They're not seeing any significant drop in rates or volume. Their numbers are still really good. And I think the difference a lot of times is just that mindset. Solve your work right. as hard as you can to solve your own problems first, and what you'll find is there's almost never a reason to go to the government.
6: You're exactly right. My, my deal is uh, be careful for what you ask for. Yeah, you might very well a lot more than you counted on, and every, almost every time you go to the government to solve your problems you uh you lose the uh, uh and I feel the and I don't know how you you know I don't know you that well, but uh you, there there are certain uh entities that pervert the capitalistic system and 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 pervert the marketplace. one of them is unions, the yes. other one is uh regulations and 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 the uh and the third one is monopolies. And one of the things that uh, we look to the federal government, particularly in the Constitution, is to deal with these kinds of problems and not how big our toilet is or what kind of light bulbs we're putting in <laughs> or any of the things that they're involved in. I may have told you this. I don't know. It would stop me if I've already said this, but... I was fortunate enough or I, I don't know luck I, I got it about 15 20 years ago I was asked to go in front of the Federal Judiciary Committee the House Judiciary Committee and they, on fuel prices and I did and uh, I did well it was a it was a very humbling and frightening experience to me to be down there 20 feet below those guys looking down on you and asking you kind of loaded questions but the uh, uh because i did that and because you do that back then you get a you get a transcript of your testimony and you also get a year's uh, subscription to the congressional record that uh and i mean not the, the congressional uh what is it called the congressional record now when when in in 1980, 85, when the ICC was still around, and de, but, but as deregulation came in, the the Congressional Record was four pages. It was one double over brochure, and it came out. <laughs> four, oh, the congressional quarterly was what it was called. It came out. Every quarter, and it was a synopsis of what was going on in each committee in the House and Senate and what was pending, what was being voted on, and that kind of thing. Well, the year I got it, the year I got my copy of the congressional quarter, 20 years ago, I got it weekly, not quarterly, and it was 80 pages long. Oh, all. man. And I couldn't even take the time to read it all. How could and, you? And I mean, yeah. it, it, it gets into the tensile strength of a screw and what kind of metal has to be used in the wing of an airplane. It gets into stuff that our congressmen have no clue about. What
2: a good point. Exactly.
6: We're asking, asking them to do that. So it's, a lot of it's on us, Kevin, and you're exactly right. I, uh, I don't want... I want the government to do what the constitution I want them to get out- I want them to get them-, get them out of health to education yes. welfare yes. which is supposed to be done by States according to the Constitution, and I want to get back to the to the designated powers lined out, and that's to protect us and to provide for the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to us and our prosperity. There it you does go. not mean secure the blessings of liberty for a bunch of oligarchs that the federal government is handpicked to be monopolies and to run our lives.
0: Very well said. Very well said. I couldn't agree more. And it makes me crazy.
6: I can say that to you because I know you won't cancel me.
0: Yeah, exactly. It makes me crazy when I look around and, and all of these groups in our industry keep going to the government as they're going to solve something. You know, this, this whole idea around the, the broker issues right now are big. The broker transparency, the double brokering. They're getting more and more creative. They're finding more and more ways to rip people off. I, I get it. I, I'm not saying that that stuff isn't happening that it it doesn't exist. I know it does, but the government is <laughs> but, not the answer. More regulation is not the answer. No, like, what?
6: And actually, the brokers aren't the problem. Exactly, it's the crook. It, right? It's the it's mob, the crooks, and the people that are that are stealing loads and stealing data and, and interfering with the broker and the carrier's uh, contract. It's torturous interference, and the government w- won't do anything about that. Well, it, it, that, but they'll try to get in the middle of a transaction between a legitimate broker and a legitimate carrier and tell them how that's supposed to work. It's bad that all this broker transparency or knowing how much the broker makes on a load is BS. That's Yes, you it know is. That's part of the fractional business opportunity it, and it, not the federal government's uh, deal. How, how did the federal government's interference in in, in, in uh, yellow roadway turn out? whatever happened to that seven hundred million dollars that they gave them about three years ago? Of Where our money.
0: Know? Of our money. We always our have money. to say That's it that credit. way. The government has no money. It gets it all from us. Yeah, it's That's um, correct. I, it, it, and you know, you said that this isn't. This is a problem of criminals and criminals don't care how many laws there are. There is already a law. That's what drives me crazy about this. There's already a law. They already wrote this, that you have the right to ask for that. But we all know in the real world, it it doesn't work and it shouldn't. So why do you think that if they're willing to break the laws that are already there, that they're just not going to break the new laws that you write. So they are that, that. So the laws aren't going to solve anything. But you know what does solve it? Your vetted group of brokers and, and your system of getting these people to work together as partners. That solves all of these things without the government, without more laws, without more complication. The other thing I try to get across to people, and I I can't get them to even discuss this with me. When I talk about this, they just go silent. And, And my point is, you said it earlier, be careful what you wish for. If you think transparency is such a great thing, why do we all hate sites like UShip where there's total transparency, it's a bidding site, everybody knows what everybody else is bidding, that is always a race to the bottom. Why do we want
2: that?
6: Exactly. All it becomes is a, is a, a bidding war, and uh, it, it goes. Now, you talk about something that uh, benefits the margin of brokers, those bidding sites are the worst, our worst enemy as right. far as trucking is concerned. Why would we want transparency? Uh, it turns everybody's front hole into a back hole.
0: Yeah. In it, effect. It, it, it's a, I, So, one, we, we don't need it. There's already a law that didn't work because there's nobody to enforce all of these laws they keep writing. And they could write a bunch more laws about this, and there's still not going to be anybody to enforce them. But we, But we don't even really want the laws in the first place. Not if you think about it, not if you understand
6: what it's going to do. And the, the other thing, too, Kevin, when the government gets involved, I'm sorry, but these guys are overpaid and underworked, and they and they measure legislation or rules by the pound, right? Not by the. I mean, you you'll get a you you'll get a, a new reg or a new law, and it takes yeah. us a year to understand what the hell the thing says or how they want us to do it. Then it takes a, another year. To uh, figure out how to get it off, back off the books, and and then it takes the enforcement community five years to figure it out or get some kind of consistency on how they're going to enforce it, and it's all worthless. It's not. It, it doesn't solve a thing. I, when I got involved with driver fatigue to, to a great extent, and uh, I looked into that and was trying to come up with some way to help the transportation industry was putting their arms around fatigue management which was a buzzword 15 20 years ago uh, and so I went to the government side I went to him and said give me what you, give me what you got on fatigue management kevin i got 10,000 pages of stuff you were supposed to do to set up a, 10, uh, a, a fatigue management program and it was it was all double talk and BS and unmeasurable with, you know, it, a wish wish list for uh, a utopian form of uh, trucking that doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. You know that this whole idea again at the that we're just going to solve everything with all of this legislation. All we keep doing is giving the, the bureaucrats and, and a lot of times unelected officials, we just keep giving them more and more power. Bad enough we we give it to the elected officials, but anymore our government is, is being run by by agencies and people we don't get a chance to elect.
6: Uh, um, you You nailed it that's there's we are run by the weebies the weebies we call them the weebies we be here when you got here we'll be here when you leave you can't get us out it's like tenured tenured bad teachers uh you can't get rid of them and uh, they are absolutely running up they're the ones that are making all the uh absolutely destructive regulations uh, and uh, the here here's what happens. They'll load us up with regulations and then it won't improve the numbers and they'll say, Well, the marketplace can't solve these problems, so we'll just take it over. We'll give Yellow seven hundred million dollars yeah. of oh of our money of our money. And, and but, you know, they'll probably go broke anyhow because the unions already broke them.
0: <laughs> and now it's kind the of unions already
6: got to a point where they can't compete in the marketplace. So so the marketplace can't take care of it. It's obvious to me that safety is a huge issue uh, when our safety numbers have improved drastically from 1975, 1980 to today. I mean, like. 1,000, 10,000 percent, possibly in some areas. And yet they'll say, well, the marketplace can't take care of it. Owner-operators need to go. And we'll just unionize and then socialize transportation. By the way, you won't be able to buy a truck, so the government might well buy it for you.
0: Oh, oh what a scary thought. We have, we've got to fight back against this.
6: Well, the marketplace is fighting back against it, and that's why Yellow eventually went broke anyhow. <laughs>
0: yeah, now, I it, now it's kind of funny because it, all I keep reading are articles about, you know, management blaming the union and union blaming management. But who really cares? It's gone. It was a lousy system. It should have been
6: gone a well, long time to, ago. They, tried, they were trying to go broke for 30 years. Uh, <laughs> they were trying to go broke before they brought Roadway down with them. Roadway was a pretty decent outfit yellow roadway should have been let to go to kick to the curb before before roadway and before the government bailout
0: you know i I, yeah absolutely i i had um, kind of a front row seat to the whole roadway thing because my i had a contract for almost 30 years with what started as roadway package system rps uh, eventually became fedex but it was interesting to watch that whole thing. Roadway just kept buying companies or starting them. They started RPS. They bought Spartan. They bought Roberts Express. Um, they were just buying companies like crazy. And at one point, I remember, we actually became, I doubt that anybody remembers this, we became Caliber Systems for one year. Oh, I, and Wow, I don't what, remember that. Yeah, what they did was they combined all of these companies they had bought into Caliber Systems, and actually spun off Roadway. Roadway was the parent that put all this together, but then they they took all those companies, created Caliber, and spun off Roadway because they wanted to be bought, and with Roadway in the portfolio, did, did Caliber, nobody would buy them.
6: Did Caliber uh, become Landstar? No. At one time, there was part of did no. Roadway ever.
3: Okay, Caliber wasn't one
6: of the
0: companies. Had- yeah, Caliber actually got bought by FedEx and became FedEx Ground. Oh. And, and then they're expedited, you know, they, they spun that off. But the whole point was nobody would even think about buying the company because of Roadway. So they spun it off, then FedEx bought them. So it was only Caliber for about a year. And then FedEx bought it. And then Roadway was out there on its own. Uh, and then Yellow bought them. And yeah, they're, everybody's just gone now.
6: All right. What, who, 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 who's next on the agenda for us to bash? <laughs> um, well, you know, there, there
0: is uh, there is another organization out there. Earlier, you talked about, uh, you know, the weight of something. I have a funny story about that. Um, back in the 80s, when um, OIDA was going after a lot of carriers over their contracts and their chargebacks, you know, you're charging your owner operators for fuel. Are you passing all of the discounts along? You're, you're giving them a break on tires, but are, are you telling them how much you pay for those tires? More of this transparency stuff. And if you remember right, we, we mentioned bingo cards. There was something else that was really common when we had bingo cards. If you leased your truck to a carrier, it was one or two pages. That was it. I I saw dozens of those contracts back there. The one or two pages, that's all it was. It was really straightforward. It was easy to understand. Because of those lawsuits and, you know, the idea was that if you're getting a discount from, say, Michelin and then you're charging your owner-operators for tires, you have to tell them the discount. The problem was Michelin puts it in their contract that you can't expose that to anybody. You know, you talked about this earlier. This is part of business and how we do things and how we negotiate. And Michelin said, if you disclose that discount in any contract, we're canceling the discount. So who got hurt by this? Almost immediately, the people they said they were trying to protect the owner operators. Well, well now companies just aren't going to give discounts if you're going to look at it this hard. And, and then I, I remember being at a conference, I think it was a TCA conference, I was speaking and um, the law firm was there, uh, Scopolitis, the big trucking law <laughs> firm, and uh, Greg Ferry uh, was giving the presentation and the presentation right. was, is your lease contract good enough to protect you, was, was the idea. And it was interesting. He walked up at the beginning of the presentation and he took a big postal scale and set it on the table. And then he looked at the audience and he said, if anybody here wants to know if their contract is good enough or not, bring it up and I'll tell you. And everybody was like, what? And, and he would just take a contract and set it on the scale and look at it and go, nope, doesn't weigh enough. <laughs> That, that, that's uh, funny. Yeah, it, but it, it now look at these contracts. We have to lease a truck onto a carrier. They're forty and fifty pages.
6: Yeah, that's true. Who who,
0: and,
4: uh, who
6: benefited from that? Certainly not us. Well, back in a, back in the day before before I started as actually when I was working for Comdata, um, we we referred to uh, a lot of the programs that you're talking about and they were prevalent with larger carriers throughout the industry we called them the ftd programs and that wasn't talking about florists either it was f the driver (laughs) and and, and actually uh we we're in a we're our business model is such that we're in a very very unique position and that's one reason why we get a lot of a lot of independent contractors and owner operators who do get their own authority and store, form a an entity within themselves, or even lease on to some carriers. Oh, that's why they come to us for the fuel program because uh, yes, that's been uh, the the margin from uh, fuel and and, and the in the, the moving industry. Cardboard and blankets and all the, it's a lot of times back in, uh, I will try not to mention any names because there's nothing wrong with what they were doing, but I got a lot of Intel from the, uh, from a large moving company that was kind of as largest customer back in the eighties. And, uh, uh, back then, you know, they had like, uh, I guess they had about 7,000 trucks out there. All of them, Two, three to five truck entities in small rural based towns Does that sound familiar, yeah anyhow <laughs> uh, they, they were they were flying under this company's flag and running on their authority and uh, so that company's fuel program did about seven thousand six thousand transactions fuel transactions four or five days a week. Well, they were buying that transaction fee on our fuel car that comes out of them for about a buck, maybe less than a buck. But they were charging their drivers three fifty. Oh. So, <laughs> so <laughs> they were charging their uh, contractors $3.50. So on 7,000 trucks, they were making $2.50 five, six days a week just on that item. Uh, So they were making more from reselling transaction fees than they were hauling furniture.
0: You know, I've said the same thing about lease purchase programs. They make more money leasing trucks to people than they do moving freight. You know, one of the reasons I've you know, always sent people your way for as long as I can remember. Is I've I've talked about this many times. You know, I, I work in a lot of different industries because of what I do. It's all based around trucking, but like I was a financial planner, so I belong to an association. I did tax returns, so I belong to an association. I work in the health side of things, so I belong to a couple associations. And I and I I've always said since my just about my first couple of years in this industry, why don't we have associations like I see in other industries where they, they offer education and best practices and services and they teach me how to be better at what I do. And we just always seem to get, I have watched so many owner operator associations come and go talked about, I tried to start one myself. Mine didn't make it either. Um, but mine, I I had a different take on mine, but almost everyone I see, they all seem to start around issues and they all seem to want to just go lobby the government. I mean, that was really how OIDA got started in the seventies with the fuel crisis. And it was a lot of protesting and it, and I guess it's okay if that's what you want to go do. I I don't like it, but I mean, if you want to go do that, fine, but I don't know why we couldn't get an association that acts like an association. You seem to be the only one.
6: <laughs> well, it's because I'm not really an association. <laughs> I'm a for-profit. Well, th- I'm, I'm maybe for-profit. that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a for-profit business, and uh, we we put that in all of our material. We are we are not a five hundred one c. We are not a not-for-profit. We are for-profit. That's right. why I get criticized. And well, David Owen doesn't give anything for free. He's a he's a capitalist pig. That blah that, blah blah. blah. He <clears throat> only cares about the money. But that's just not true. Uh, I f- I found out a long time ago that if you don't make a profit, you can't pay your people. That's exactly so, right. Uh,
0: money is, is not a bad thing.
6: No. And uh, But by the same token, uh, that gives us some leverage. And quite frankly, it never occurred to me until we got into this. We started NASDAQ in 1989, and almost within two years, uh, I met Henry Seaton, and we started going to Washington, and we started talking to the FMCSA. We, we stood in front of Julie Cirillo, if you remember that name, who was the first interim uh, chairman of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration several times before it was even a, a, re, a, a recognized reg, regulatory agency. Anyhow, there was a vacuum. There was a vacuum cabin and and we didn't start out to be an owner operator company we started out to be a small trucking company company uh when we first started uh, we couldn't figure out how to give a return on investment immediately to a guy with one or two trucks we just didn't have the programs that helped them so we if somebody came to us in the early years up until about 95 or 96 we would refer them to oida and say hey you got two trucks three trucks Go talk to Ida, they can help you some, but when you get to five, call us back because we can help you then. And that kind of worked well for us. Well, as we grew broader and offered more and more things and got more leverage and credibility in the industry, uh, we started recognize that, that that our true customer ultimately was the driver, not the company. Uh, so we started soliciting companies all the way down to one one truck, one trailer, one person uh, companies. And uh, that's kind of the way we've been involved. So we kind of went around ra- behind that. We didn't – hell, I was shocked. I was shocked that we were the only people out there that was actually actively trying to change things or right. at least – Speak on behalf of small family-owned. Our our model is pretty simple: small family-owned, full truckload, irregular route of of trucking companies. Four hire, non-union trucking companies out of our fifteen thousand members, Kevin. I don't think we've got a union company in
0: it. Which is incredible, but it, it, it just shows you how focused and targeted you've been these years. And that, like I said, I, I, this whole association thing, I've talked about it forever, that um, I don't know why we seem to be so different in this industry. It seems to work really well everywhere else I go. Um, here, though, we just keep getting these groups that come and go. And it's, it, it's, it's always such a negative connotation. You know, and it, it, it's no wonder they all just disappear. But um, I, we're we're really grateful for this partnership because what you just described as you know your customers is really our customer and always has been.
6: Well, one of the things that I set out to do, and I, I mean, I don't, I've almost gotten there. When I started my business, I started working when I was nine, and I've had businesses all my life, and and. I've run businesses small and large still going back to a concession stand okay and uh the uh one of my main goals in my business life was to never sue anybody or be sued by anybody and i've always gone by that and unfortunately i've been sued once or twice but it didn't get it didn't get <laughs> even didn't get off the off the off the launching pad and we've actually sued the government twice. We've, we, went, uh, we, we went and sued FMCSA uh, one year, and, and, and this, uh, this going back to SDD, SDS mentality and using CSA to rape carriers actually violates, in my opinion, uh, the letter and the spirit of the, of the case we sent into uh, mediation and got an agreement with FMCSA that... Uh, they would not use that data to qualify of uh, uh, the whether a carrier was qualified to haul your freight or not that that when they got their authority that it was totally the responsibility of the federal Motor carrier safety Administration to give that when they gave that authority that 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 carrier was qualified and good to go in interstate commerce in the United States and and a, and a Company, a broker, a shipper, or somebody could not be uh, asked to go deeper and a deeper dive into what kind of drivers they were hiring, or whether they spoke English or anything else. If the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration approved them and gave them authority to run, they were qualified to haul freight, and uh, they're they're going against that now. So I mean, they're resurrecting. They're, they want to dive down and and say. If you don't hire a specific number uh, of people yeah. with red hair can't you you're not qualified or, oh boy. Or, or if you're doing this or if you haven't been in business. Hell you should hear what they're doing to people that are trying to get into the industry, how difficult they're making it insurance wise and authority wise and freight and getting and get decent paying freight. It's it's criminal almost. I, and they're going after they're going after the very very, very best truck d- drivers uh, in the world. Uh, and I will tell you this yellow roadway going out. Uh, I feel sorry for those guys in the short term, but like I told somebody the other day, don't feel sorry for them long if they got a good driving record and uh, and they've got some experience and and like the life and like the lifestyle, they can get a job tomorrow. And in today's world, they can make uh, almost as much money, maybe actually more. working, and, and maybe more than they were a, in a union job, sitting on you know, sitting around truck stops or drinking coffee. Yeah. I'm sorry I said that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean, I don't, I don't really mean that, but I'm it, saying union jobs well, typically it, are you're re, you're not rewarded for working correct. hard or working long or being right. smarter or safety. To- you're you're rewarded for not showing up, your fellows. And I've I've always and I think you subscribe to this. I've watched you. I had a guy at a meeting one time. He was talking about uh, he's a work like you're showing off. <laughs> just go to your job every day like you're showing off. I like that. And you'll do just fine. Right. I, I I've 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 tried to do that. So, yeah. I... And 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 these and these conversations we have, I think, give both of us a chance to show off. I'm real proud of what we've been able to do, and I'm and I'm not I'm not done yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I I love that. You know, David, I just looked up at the clock. This hour goes so fast. Uh, you, you'd mentioned uh, Henry Seaton. I believe we've got him scheduled on the show too. I'm really looking forward to that.
6: Oh, good, good. Well, you'll meet Henry, and uh, uh, I've got a guy that I'm talking to this week that's uh, his name Stephen Kepler, who wrote the book on uh, on large truck crash causations about 20 years ago, and uh, just between me and you and your listeners, uh, I've, I'm gonna I've gotten him to agree to do a deep dive into a year like 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever. And they'll actually do some research and come up with a report of how many fatalities occurred in an accident with a truck in a car that the truck or the trucking company owner could have actually avoided or done something about. And I think the number will be less than a thousand.
0: I think you're right. I think that will be really interesting to see.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Matter of fact, I'm also excited about getting you on one of my podcasts here in the near future. So let's do that. Set that up.
2: All
0: right. David, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your busy day and joining us. Looking forward to uh, more of this. And I'm really looking forward to the conference. I'm excited.
6: I am, too. You take care. appreciate the time. All right. Talk to you
0: soon. Take care. All right. We. Uh Uh we're going to open up the phone lines. Um, I'll stay here as long as uh, you've got questions. So line them up 855-950-3835. Anything goes. We're going to head off to Wisconsin. Mick has been very patient. Mick,
2: welcome. Good morning, Kevin. Um, I sent a, a oil sale. I posted on the tribe last night and then... Uh, uh, Morgan said she found it for you. I just, um, first time I've ever uh, had one that I was, well, I just started using the catalyst there in June and then I got that back and um, I just wanted to make sure that that was kind of, the other numbers, do you see it there or did you find it? Yeah, I've got it here. And
0: My first question, as soon as I saw this, when it said rate of iron wear increased significantly, my first question was going to be, did you start using the catalyst?
2: Yeah, I started in June, so that was should be basically the only. I've been so. Cha- I don't have the OPS, but I've I've been changing every fifteen thousand. So
0: yeah, here's one of the ways that that I can help people when they look at a sample, uh, not to panic and and to understand whether this is just the catalyst or not, is the fact that none of your other wear metals went up, only the yeah, iron. Okay. So
2: That's... if Something I kind of that, but, you know, when you yeah. see that number. <laughs> no, I know. And especially when they
0: put a big note up there, you know, with a big warning right. sign. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a little scary. Drop
2: 50 grand on that engine, you know. <laughs> right, right. But if,
0: if something went wrong, like we got, you know, a contaminant in the oil, we got too much dirt in there, we got too much coolant, we got too much fuel. Um, if something happened to our oil and, and caused increased wear metals, it would be across the board, almost always. Or at least we would see more upper cylinder, not just iron. We would see, you know, iron and aluminum and um, maybe chromium, um, or we would see more bottom end, more lead and copper. But when all we see is okay. just iron and nothing else really had any significant change, and we started
2: the catalyst, yeah, that that's what it is. Okay. All right. I just, you know, like I said, I, I, I knew it could account for some, but I didn't. I just didn't think it would jump that high that quick, you know, over just that, you know. It, so, it,
0: it does because um, it's 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 a component right in the catalyst. It's almost impossible for it not to go up.
2: Right. I think did Jane explain it once? She did, it, it and I can't remember. Yeah, I can't converts, uh, remember what exhaust it was to some iron oxide. Right. I forget, but th- yeah. I, so, all right. Well, good. That sets my mind at ease and we'll just, uh, do you think I should quit the catalyst for one and just see no. if it goes back down or just no. okay. Just run it for a while. And, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, am, right. I am completely <laughs>
0: convinced there is nothing about your engine or your oil that's causing this. It is just the catalyst.
2: Okay. Perfect thanks for your help
0: you're welcome you know sometimes i might not be that clear if there were some other confusing factors in there but this one's really clear or i wouldn't say that uh let's go to south carolina terrence welcome
7: uh, how's it going kev quick uh a couple of things the Guy that just picked up the x3 bar what he should do too is what i did is i i got like a um, uh no, I can't think. of the Velcro tape. You cut like a piece of it. So, like when you're doing the double bands, oh yeah, it holds it together easy. So you just wrap it around like the right. piece of Velcro tape. You wrap it around and it'll hold it easier. So if you're putting it around your back and all that, you don't got to worry about trying to line it up. Just, just makes it quicker no, I, and you know, just I do one that a lot. step you got to mess with. You know? Yeah,
0: I do that a lot. Since right. we're talking about the X3, I want to let everybody know we do have the long bar in stock now.
7: And what was the thing with the cardio miracle that went on sale today? Is it on sale today?
0: Yeah, well it's a special or is it over? If, no, it's it's just starting today, uh, through Friday. Okay. If you buy either two ninety serving tubs or three sixty serving, you get fifteen of the single serve.
7: Okay, cool. Yeah, I missed that the last I'm gonna have to get it. But they got so the long bars the long bar is in then. Cool.
5: Yep. Good.
7: All right, so here's the, so I had did hot honey a while ago, and I just threw the um I had like habaneros and chili peppers so when i when I pulled them out of the honey, I just threw them in a Tupperware thing and put them in the refrigerator and I don't know how long they've been in there so yesterday I pulled them out I pulled out the chili peppers, and I'm like, all right they still they weren't dried out, they still had moisture to them didn't have they weren't you know molded or anything, and I just uh, cut them up and put them in an omelette. The flavor of it was unbelievable. Isn't that incredible? And it, and it was, it, it, I don't, yeah, I mean, and, and the, it's weird how the honey still has the hot and then that it's still in there. It just, and it, and it's they're, amazing.
0: They're not overly sweet. There's a little bit of sweetness to them, but it, it, it's almost like a very unique flavor. You're surprised that, you know, yours is in the refrigerator doing just fine. All of my peppers from day one, um, I just stick them in glass jars and leave them in the pantry. I don't even refrigerate. Oh, wow. Okay. And and between the honey and the fermentation and everything else, nothing grows on that. I just used some yesterday. I made, uh, what did I put it in? Wow. Okay. Oh, I put some, I'm I'm making um, fermented salsa. Because the garden's just cranking out, you know, tomatoes and peppers, and I've got tons of onions and garlic. And so I made a uh, gallon and a half batch of uh, fresh salsa out of the garden, and I put in a big spoonful of those peppers. I use them for nice. all kinds of stuff, but I, I, I've got them everywhere from every batch I ever made. I have leftover peppers, and they're just in the pantry cool uh the other right, I'll let the, someone
7: else get it. The, i just wanted to go that guy. here's oh, the guys. other
0: thing to do that that really keeps Ooh. them really well um so you put them in a jar and you know how they're really like sticky and um just cover them just pour in enough white vinegar to cover them and then it, it, when they come out okay. of there the vinegar works really well if you're going to make hot sauce it's already got some vinegar in it but uh yeah i've made i make tons of hot sauces from those peppers uh chop those up or, or they're already chopped up put them in um, goat cheese that's really good like that oh
7: yeah you was, i remember you saying yeah that.
0: yeah yeah it's really good the, <laughs> the fermented hot slightly sweet flavor is just so unique
7: yeah definitely all right i'll let someone else gonna i just wanted to get that guy a tip on that x3 boys that helped me out i think you would want to mention it to me and yeah it really works so. yep Good. All right. All Thanks, right.
0: Good stuff. Let's go to Texas. Dwight, welcome.
1: Hey, Kevin. Um would like to talk about my HRV, which has just steadily tanked. Uh, I've had to watch since Christmas, and the highest I've ever been is 30, Ooh. and most time in the 20s, yes. Oh, boy. And for the last two weeks, last two weeks, I went to unbalanced, and now I'm in the red. I mean, I'm red, the bottom of the list. Okay. So, so uh, I want to know what you think about that, and uh, should I be calling Dr. Wolfson?
0: There's probably a lot of things you could figure out here on your own without a lot of testing or cost. You could do a one-on-one. Um, although you could just call me and we could keep working through it right here on the air. I don't even think it's going to take a one-on-one. What are you doing any of the stress protocol on a regular basis? No. Well, there's. Well, well that was easy. Start. Yes. Pick, pick one, even. Yeah. Start doing one a day until you make a habit of it. A- any of the four, they, they are all beneficial. They all help. I don't prioritize one over another. Um, when you get to doing all four, I promise your HRV will go up. When you start doing one a day, I bet it's going to go up. When you get to two, you're going to really see the difference. When you get to all four, um, you could take that 20 into the 50s in about three months. Now, here's yeah. the other thing you need to do, though. Um, If you want this to happen as fast as possible with the least amount of effort, you also want to watch your body battery and kind of target your intensity to where your body battery is that day. You know, if you ever got anything above, say, 75, that would be a day you would want- I've
1: never been over 75. I'm sure you have. Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Uh,
0: What is a high for you then?
1: It's, uh, like I say, it, it's a total mess. Um, HRV, body battery. What is, what is a I good do day do for, about your, for,
0: for your body battery? Could Do you get over 50 ever?
1: Uh, well, I had this pulled up and it went away. Uh, barely. Um, you know, because um, it just seems to just absolutely tank.
0: Yeah. So, and I know this is a, you are exactly where I have put myself many times so I could figure out how to get out of it. And what I'm telling you is this works. You, you, you find some balance. You've got to de-stress as much as possible when you can. Any day that you got over 50, you should be doing all four. Those are the days where, where you push harder. You you, you do all four, do the cold exposure, the infrared or the heat exposure, um, the resistance training and the breathing any day that you're over 50, um, any day that you're under 25, do nothing except rest. Try to get as much rest as you can meditate, be more mindful. Um, go take a walk in nature, but a nice, easy walk, uh, get out and get more sunshine. But between, the de stressing and watching the the energy levels and then hitting the protocol when you've got the energy, it works every time. I can promise you that. If you do it, this will you'll work. You'll get out of this, you'll feel much, much better.
1: I just pulled up my seven day body battery and of course today is the highest, which is cause I just you know, had a decent night's sleep, and I slept in, and I'm just now, and I'm on the road. I mean, I've just took off about an hour ago, but yeah, it shows 55, but um, my, this is this is what my week looked like. Uh, of course, the worst, the absolute worst was Thursday, which was four. The next worst was Tuesday was 15, and then 21, couple 21s, 27, 25, and then, of course, Today is because I've just come out of uh, sleeping through the night and taking off. and So that's that's so. what you've
0: got to focus on doing. You, you've got to focus on everything you can to get that good night's sleep, sleep in if you need to, rearrange your schedule if you have to, and then when you have a day like today and you did get over 50, use that energy to do the protocol and don't wait till the end of the day because you'll be trashed by the end of the day. So get the protocol in early.
1: Yeah. Well, like i like say today's going to be, uh, impossible because I've got 11 hours of drive and 14 well, hey, here, hours here, day here's what I can of tell you
0: yeah. I, I, as long as it's impossible, then you're never going to fix this.
1: Okay. So, uh, with, with looking at my day, um uh, what would be the best thing uh, is to uh, maybe somewhere in the middle here and instead of a take my 30-minute plus another 30-minute and yeah. uh, take, yeah. a, take a longer nap?
0: Uh, no, don't take a nap. Do the protocol. You've already had the nap. You got the sleep last night. You said your scores, your body battery is as high as it's been in the last week. So we don't want to take a nap on, on the day it's highest. We, we want to hit the protocol. We've okay. got energy to do it. So, yeah, take an hour today so and do, do the protocol. I can
1: do some breathing, and my uh, I've got my X3 bar with me. So Perfect. Do X, X3 and some breathing.
0: And, and do it out in the sun with as much skin exposed as you can get and bare feet so you're grounding.
1: Yeah, I definitely need to be doing more grounding. We've started doing a little bit more uh, walking the grandbaby, so we've done a little bit, but Good. not near enough.
0: When you start doing um, these things, this will get better. That's the good news. It works every time.
1: Well, so you think it's more stress and not doing a protocol and not necessarily uh, other problems uh, other health problems
3: Well
0: I I don't even want to go it be cardio I, I, or... I, I don't want to go look for other health problems because that's not easy it's expensive requires a lot of testing and and we don't even know what we're looking for I, I you have low HRV which will make you feel like crap it will affect your sleep like it is Oh yeah. and I know how to fix HRV so why would we go look for anything else right now let's fix what we know how to fix
1: Okay Okay. Well, that kind of answered my question. So this is more of a, a lifestyle deal you, than anything.
0: You have allowed your stress muscle to get weak and now we have to make it strong again. Yeah. It's a lifestyle thing.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I, I didn't, um, uh, you know, cause that's, that's, you know, that's, a an option I can do and, yes. uh, have to do more and, 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 uh, and when I'm home more, I do a I do a cold shower, but I by no means do I jump in a I, – uh, I do have a more – a little harder time with cold. And I don't – I you know, I can – in a shower, I can ramp it up, but, uh, you know, I have about zero body fat on me, so jumping in a tub of ice water is pretty We don't challenging.
0: need to do the tub of ice water. Cold showers. And I imagine that the cold shower makes you shiver.
3: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that's, that's I what have we're looking for. On me.
0: That's what we're looking for. When you're shivering, we're getting the benefits of the cold.
1: Okay. Well, I can do that.
0: There you go. So you know, on okay, the okay, on those days where maybe you're like at a ten or fifteen, um, pick one. Sometimes one of the easier, and, and maybe it is the cold shower, or maybe it's the breathing. Um, just don't overdo it on those days, and and when you are above fifty. Then hit it hard. Hit hit all four. Um, and earlier in the day, while you've still got the energy, let's uh, let's head north of the border. Jim, welcome. Hey, what's on your mind today?
3: Hey, hello,
6: I have a question. Last Friday, there was a guy who phoned in. He worked for some express company, and they bought warehouses from Yellow, and then they leased them back to him. I didn't.
0: Catch the name of that outfit. Uh, Boy, it was one of the big LTL carriers, and I've been talking about them all. Was it? um, Wasn't Saya? It was. Was it ABF? Maybe it was ABF. It was one of the big LTL carriers. uh, Yeah, it was one of the big LTL carriers.
3: Oh, okay. Okie dokie. Thank you very much.
0: All right. If somebody else remembers it for sure, they can uh, send me a text or jump in here or whatever, and I'll relay it. But Because I'm not confident of my answer at all. I want to say ABF, but I'm not confident. I do know it was one of the big LTL carriers, though, because it made sense. The LTL carriers bought those terminals, leased them back, and now they have access to them. That's what we were talking about, what a smart move that was on their part. Let's go to... Oklahoma. Paul, welcome.
8: Morgan was... Oh, howdy, by the way. Morgan was screening when I... But I heard the answer to that question, but I think the answer is Estes.
0: Estes, that could be... Were you talking about... Yeah, the... the, Were you
8: talking about the people that bought the yellow terminals and leased them back to them? Yep. Yeah, I think it was Estes people.
0: I'll go with that then. Estes makes sense, and it could easily be Estes, so I'll go with that.
8: Yeah, so... So, I was looking at my IFTA report that the company I'm leased to, they use ProMiles and they file it. So, I'm at 5.44 miles to the gallon for my last quarter. But the only money I had to pay, I went through and, you know, minus here, add here, minus here, add here. I went through and it came out at exactly zero. And the only money I had to pay was $3.85 for Kentucky.
0: Ah, nice.
8: I did, I did, uh, Thirty-four thousand miles, roughly sixteen thousand of which were in Texas. So, yeah, and seven thousand in Oklahoma. And I had a couple of trips around the block. Other than that, so got it.
0: There yeah. you go.
8: Um, so another car hauler driver I was talking to on the weekend. He was telling me a few weeks ago a loaded transporter that had, this happened in uh, Tennessee. He had not long left the plant with a Nissan Lee electric vehicle on the back top position on his trailer. And that car caught fire while he was riding down the road. So he stopped. I guess either he kept an eye on his mirrors or someone told him on the CB or whatever, I don't know. So, But he stopped, he got the car off from underneath it, and then he unhooked his trailer, Fire Brigade showed up. 6,000 gallons of water they pumped onto that car, and supposedly it went out and he hooked onto his trailer to go back to the plant, and this was on the interstate, and he went to the next exit to turn around and go back to the plant, and it ignited again.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of this.
8: So, yeah, well, uh, I don't haul a whole lot of electric cars, but I've had a few over the years, but I kind of decided on the weekend, if I do get any electric vehicles, they are not going on my truck because if, if i got it behind the sleeper, I can't do nothing to get it get it off or get away from. It. Oh, that's At least if it's right. on the trailer, I can unhook the trailer yeah, and pull you can away. Yeah, get away.
0: So, that's yeah. good thinking. Yeah.
8: So, but uh, I'm, uh hey. I'm gonna talk to the company I'm leased to and find out what happens. Actable on the cargo claim, or, or I'm gonna find out what's happening to you. So yeah. I'm gonna call them today.
0: Yeah, so, that'd be good to know. Yeah, hey because it. Er, er, are you familiar with the company? They reached out to me, and I've never heard of them. But I'm wondering if you—they are in the auto transport world, called Super Dispatch.
8: Oh, Mark Gwynn knows about them. Yeah, they, he could—he could tell you more than I, I've heard of them. But I got no idea. I think it's like Central Dispatch, but I don't deal with that either. So.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I
8: could be able to tell you
0: more. Yeah. It says, uh, we offer an SAAS platform specifically for auto transport, but it doesn't tell me what kind of platform or what you do with it. I don't know if it's load matching or, and they just launched a series called auto transport Copilot. looks like a video series. Maybe I think they're, uh, Oh, it's a new monthly podcast. I think they want me to come on. But I, I don't know will, uh, anything about the company, so I wanted to do a little homework first.
8: You will. I know Mark said it because if you. When guys that are doing a lot of private owned vehicles, they, they get set up with them because the, you can use them as a create your invoice and billing and all that good okay. stuff. Okay. Got it. Yeah, so. But I'm. Um, what I told you then is about all I know.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, Mark, I'm yeah. sure he's listening. He'll reach out to me at some point, I'll bet, and I'll see what he thinks. I'm, yeah, I'm going right. to do some homework I'm, before I agree to be on their podcast.
8: Yeah, because uh, I don't, I don't, I've heard of it, but that's about as far as it goes. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and apparently my new trailer is ready this week. So well, that's exciting. So I'll go, I'll go get it next week.
0: <laughs> all right. Can't wait to hear about yeah. it. Okay, thanks. All right. I'll carry Talk on. Talk to you soon. Let's go to Georgia this time. Bill, welcome.
1: How are you doing, Kevin? Good.
0: What's on your mind today?
1: Got a question. What is the purpose of grounding? Now, I, the only reason why I'm asking this is because I got the softest. It's going to sound funny. I got the softest feet and I just don't like running my feet on, on dirt and stuff. It's just one of those texture things, I guess.
3: No, it's, it's, it, it,
0: it? it's common. It's no different than when I say we've allowed our stress muscle to get weak and our all of our muscles to get weak and our brain to get weak. It's our lifestyle. Our lifestyle now, the skin on most people's feet is weak because they never go barefoot. This isn't something genetic. It's just you have soft, tender skin on your feet because you never expose your feet to those textures. So it it just takes time to get used to it. I I will tell you right now, um, I could probably go walk four or five miles right now. My bare feet wouldn't bother me over any surface. Concrete, rocks. More power to you. (laughs) Well, no, it's because I do it every day. I do it most of the year. Mm -hmm. So let me explain the benefit, Mm -hmm. because that is a good question. I I don't know that a lot of people understand. Even people that have heard of grounding may not understand what it's for. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of free radicals? You heard that term? Yes. About yes. antioxidants? Yes. Yeah, these two go together. We we end up in our body with what are called free radicals. It's a it's a cell that has a, a an unbalanced electrical charge, and it's looking to to get that balance. I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this without it being confusing. So, and it wreaks mm-hmm. those those free radicals are bad for us. I won't go through all the damage they do, but free radicals can do a lot of damage in our body. We use antioxidants Mm -hmm. to overcome free radicals. So antioxidants can be food, Um, Vitamin E is an antioxidant. Vitamin C is an antioxidant. We have lots of foods and nutrients that are antioxidants. So is grounding. Grounding, we pick up an electrical charge from the earth, and that completes the free radical, so it's no longer a free radical. It neutralizes it. So we are surrounded by oxidants and free radicals with chemicals and uh, all the other garbage that's in our world now that never used to be here. And on top of that, we lost one of our best sources of antioxidants being we were always connected to the earth. As hunter-gatherers, 100% of the time, there, there never would have mm-hmm. been a time that we weren't grounding. We, we, we were grounding 100% of the time. Now, there are people, and you're probably one of them, that are ungrounded 100% of the time. If your feet are that tender, it tells me you don't go outside and walk on bare dirt or ground or stones or sand or anything, meaning you are completely ungrounded 100% of the time.
4: Now, how long would you suggest
3: to ground? the ground? Ba- ba- uh,
0: Listen, let me, let's think about this. Hunter-gatherers yep. were grounded 100% of the time you are grounded 0% Mm -hmm. of the time. Pick somewhere between Mm -hmm. 0 and 100. Okay. I mean, obviously, the more the better. There could never be too much. Our nature is Mm -hmm. we should be connected to the earth 100% of the time. That's how we evolved. So there could never, ever be too much grounding. So your goal should always be to get more. Okay. Okay.
3: I appreciate
0: it, both. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. I think it does help to understand that too. And uh, you see, grounding a lot. It's not always explained why you would ground, and that's why it's, uh, it's to counteract the free radicals. It's a, a natural antioxidant. But to, to think that we were grounded a hundred percent of the time, and now there are people that are never grounded. They're ungrounded a hundred percent of the time. That. It, it has to cause health issues all right it looks like we're gonna wrap this up for today um i am actually going to go work on my keynote for the rest of the day um keynotes are challenging for me i've got to get buckled down and get serious about this one because keynotes don't come easy um the rest of this stuff pretty easy for me i have material that i've been talking about for years i'm pretty good at it um but keynote stuff I've got to work at. So, time for me to buckle down and start doing the hard work. I'll see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. I have no idea what my schedule looks like this week, but we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, nothing else going on. So we'll wrap this up and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.